Well, here we are. It's another uh, beautiful winter day. We've been really uh, fortunate to have nice sunlight. I think we really need it at this time of the year. Yeah, And it hasn't been that cold, so we've been able to get outside. Well, I sent you an article a few days ago that I had seen come across my social media. Um, and the article came from the Post-Millennial. Uh, for those who aren't familiar with the Post-Millennial, the Post-Millennial is a conservatively biased news agency. Uh, I typically enjoy reading their articles, but uh, this particular yeah. article, I'm just going to see if I can read the actual title, says in the title, Trudeau government recommends prioritizing race over age for COVID vaccines. And I found that to be a sensational title. It, it was uh, alarming to me that that might be the case because I thought, well, here we go again. Our Prime Minister is a man who has been known to wear blackface uh, on occasion and has been criticized for some of his actions and behaviors when it comes to groups. And so the article headline led me to think all kinds of things that were perhaps not all that redeemed about racism and race. Like for instance, that race is over something else. So there's always going to be like something is is over something that means it trumps it or it it nullifies the other right oh man like we can't, if I say, we can't say trump anymore well you know <laughs> maybe it's like a synonym there right <laughs> yeah i know <laughs> but yeah i know what you mean like it it feels like we're grouping things in a way that our society has determined we shouldn't group them like grouping things and and, and attributing benefits to one group or another group seems like racism yeah Pref preferential treatment you would say i right. would say when we mention race then that just draws the whole focus of the discussion on race itself and if you look at race in itself i think there's really one human race there's groups of people that are linked together by kinship by tribal affiliation, and also, you know, sometimes in government states and those kind of things. But race in itself is kind of a tenuous uh, title. You know, it brings up even bad thoughts in itself, the use of, of race as an argument. Yeah. It pulls it into that, that whole realm of, and that's where there's a lot of debate right now, and right, rightfully so. Mm -hmm. It is important we sift through these issues yeah. The question then becomes, though, how, how am I supposed to think about it and, and what's really true in the whole situation? So at the crux of the matter, you have to read the article, right? I can't just read the headline and form an opinion. I have to read the article. What a thought. Imagine that. Well, you wouldn't have any time. There's so many articles and so much going on that, yeah, to get to the bottom of it, yeah, it takes quite a bit of work. Well, and everyone's bias is, gra is grabbing for my attention, right? Because everyone in their particular uh, ideology wants to convince me that they're correct, right? So, so it, t it, it does take some time. If you really want to have an informed opinion, you have to spend a little bit of time reading. Yeah, I agree with that. In, you know, the bottom line, the whole idea of vaccination is supposed to save lives. Mm -hmm. I think we would all say, yeah, we're for saving lives. Yep. That's a good value. Unfortunately, like even if you were, say you were a, a doctor on, on the battlefield, you would have to do triage and you have to say, okay, well, this one we're not going to treat right now. We're going to treat this one because 
this one is life-threatening, like they could die at any second here, so we have to take care of them. So it is a question of doing triage, and it seems, always seems bad in itself, because you always think, well, everybody sh should get treatment the same, it should be equitable, right? Everybody should get that treatment. Right. And everybody has a right to that treatment. Yeah. But when it comes right down to it, somebody's going to be first and somebody's going to be second. There's right. no getting around that. Yeah. I, I think it's interesting from a cultural perspective because every yeah. culture thinks and acts and interacts differently within itself and interculturally so with other cultures. So I come from a cultural background that is individualistic. Most of white Western society is individualistic. We think about the individual. My individual liberty as a Canadian citizen hereby grants me the right to have the vaccine at the same available degree as every other Canadian citizen. Like that is my perspective culturally. But I think about some of the other cultures that might exist in Canada that would be collective or that they think of the group. And so their perspective, although from the outside, it looks the same. Both are asking for the vaccine. They're thinking of it in terms of their community, right? So you, mm -hmm. think, about, you think about a community or a family or a, or a kinship group or a, or a sociocultural group. They're concerned about the well-being of the group and being healthy as a group in a different way than I'm thinking about being healthy as an individual. Uh, I'm thinking right. my ability to go to Costco is hampered by this whole lockdown situation while well, the lockdown for a community of people that are relational has got a different application in their lives it would look different yeah it would look different it's the way it's applied because the emphasis is on the group you get a different point of view than on the individual either one can have its strengths and its weaknesses right we're not saying um, one's bad and one's good they're different definitely different so it's good to look at things from different points of view that just, you know, reinforces what you said about how much work it is. Right now, racism, yes, we should be talking about it. Well, what about ageism? What about, is that any worse? Right, because if you, if you read the article, Mark, well, and I know you did read the article, but I mean, if the audience <laughs> <laughs> reads the article, they'll see that the, the headline is sensationalistic because the, the guidance from the government isn't putting race ahead of age because age is the first category in stage one but they do have categories for different racial distinctives and so i think that that's where the headline drew its sort of sensationalism from yeah but you're right the same argument that we could make about this for racism we could make for ageism well it's not fair all of the seniors are going to get the vaccine what about the poor little kids or or, you know, what about all the other categories? It boils down. We're definitely going to give priority to one person or one group over another. And I believe that at the bottom of that, what we say, we present is, I assume it to be true, I, I affirm it to be true, is that we want to save lives. Right. We don't want anyone to die of this disease. And yet, with that very uh, issue, there's so many things tied to it. Yeah. Well, now I can go to Florida once I get my vaccine. Mm -hmm. You know, some people are, I mean, it's, it's part of us, right? I'm not trying to put it down, but right. we have other 
uh, there's always other motivations that are tied to everything that we do. Right. So just saving lives, and and if we if we were terribly concerned about saving lives, then we would be terribly engaged in saving lives. That's the way I I would see. Right. But then our detractors come along and they look at the situation and they're like, well, okay, break it down by, by vulnerability, by age. So let's give it to the old people first, but shouldn't that just be older people from those racial groups? Shouldn't that just be the category? But I really like what the, what the guidance says in parenthesis. It says in stage one, the last part of stage one says adults in indigenous communities. And then parenthetically, where infection can have disproportionate consequences. That's identifying that in some communities, there can be a disproportionately bad consequence to a COVID outbreak, right? And so you might think about these cultural distinctives we've talked about and what that implies in a community that's relational by nature. But geographically, some of these indigenous communities are 500 miles from the next community. So if there's a COVID outbreak in that community, it has a devastating impact on that community. It's, it's a microcosm of economy and relationship and health and, and available health care and all of that. So now you're getting down to specifics, right? We're going from extremely broad categories that really draw you in because they're politics, there's race, there's preferential treatment there's all these other issues but now you're getting down to okay there's this community and this what is what could happen there Mm -hmm. and the overall picture of where they fit in in their vulnerability Mm -hmm. and we will prefer them in this particular case we'll give them the vaccine ahead of someone like me who, who i assume i'm right now i assume i'm in good health and I'm not worried, but I seem to be the, the, the center kind of like, well, there's older people that need the vaccine and there's younger people. Where I fit in, I, I don't know, but I assume if I'm in good health, I should be thankful for that. And just everyone would love to have that protection and have that freedom afterwards. But it, again, it's a society, right? But it, it, makes, talking- me, it makes me think of the Titanic, right? I mean, we've all seen the movie, probably most of us have seen the movie. I mean, there was preferential treatment given to women and children. There weren't enough lifeboats. But, of course, there were, in the movie, depicted to be some very unscrupulous men who would run ahead of the women and, and jump into the lifeboat and, and take their spots and, and all that kind of thing. But you could look at that and say, well, that's sexism. Women should have just the same and children as the men because all of the lives matter. But, I mean, that, that yeah. was, at that time, that was a socio-cultural distinctive women and children first so now we're looking at not a sinking ship but we're looking at a, a pandemic we're, we're, we're dealing with this virus and there's a vaccine and there's not enough of the vaccine and so there are decisions being made about who gets it we have to decide how we feel about that as christians is that okay or isn't it okay and it, i mean we can sit back and we can look at the government and go well i know that trudeau He's pandered to Native communities in the past to raise his own political cachet. He's Mm -hmm. done things with First Nations people that has appeared on the surface to be good, but it's been clear that he's only done it for his own benefit. I could take that perspective and apply it to this situation. It's a surface solution to a deeper problem in that case, right? 
Right. And that's not what people are looking for. They're looking for real solutions to real problems. And I feel like if you look more critically at this situation, I don't think it is pandering. My first reaction was that it was. There goes the politicking again. But I think under the surface, I think what we're seeing is a reality to perhaps things that none of us really consider all that critically. There's also a very high expectation with the government. And sometimes that expectation is a little skewed comparison that we make is like Rome when the first Christians were uh, living out their faith. Rome was not a hospitable government. It was run by someone who declared themselves divine. So it was a tyrant. He was a tyrant. There was a lot of violence against citizens. There was oppression, injustice, all these things. And the church seemed to flourish in that environment. But today, uh, every time the government seems to act what, against what is our Christian point of view, then we're right on it. We got to defend our rights. We've got to make sure that they don't oppress us, that they don't abuse us, that they don't. There seems to be a disconnect between those two stories. And it seems to reflect what we're, I'm just getting back to here. I don't want to get off. On, I'm getting off on another side topic. But we, we would ask ourselves as Christians, like, what would you do? Mm -hmm. What would I do? What would we do as a church? Mm -hmm. and, and not so much to expect the government to follow our values. Yes, they should, because I believe they're good values. But am I supposed to make sure that they do that so that I protect myself? I guess it's a question of protecting ourselves, in a sense. I think we err. If we expect our government to have real wisdom, because they won't. They can't. Any wisdom they have is borrowed from God. So if we mm -hmm. expect them to have real wisdom and never make any mistakes, I'm only going to obey my government if, if it exerts true wisdom and never makes mistakes, then I don't think we're honoring the spirit of the gospel or God's word because the government's only ever made mistakes and it's never truly had biblical wisdom. I'm still commanded to observe the government's guidance, right? As insofar as it doesn't um, contradict God's command. Yeah, yeah. And that would, be, uh, that would be the bottom line for most Christians is when it really went against not just the outward practice, but the inward love that we have for God and what he asked for us. Mm -hmm. And that there's no other way around it. I think you, you can also you can seek alternatives to the, like Daniel did when he wasn't supposed to eat the meat offered to to idols or to the, to the statues there. He sought an alternative by appeal. He said, "Well, I'll eat I'll eat these vegetables in ten days, and if that if that works out for everybody, then that's what we'll do. I, I won't eat the, the king's meat, right? Right. There's alternatives, and when all those are I don't think we should jump from one point to the other. We should really, getting back to this argument, I think it's good that we look at this mm -hmm. and examine. Today, people feel that, I believe there is a history that has done injustice to minority groups mm -hmm. in North America. Mm -hmm. And we just look at, a, you know, the fact that reserves are um, still around and that you know, there were at times they had to have permits to go off the reserve. So that that in itself, you know, I'm not trying to make a modern day comparison to reserves today, but just the fact that 
people were put on reserves. Mm-hmm. It's, it's a testimony that this is not something that's gone away. We have to look at how we treat more vulnerable people or people that aren't even like us in the fact of our, our group. And then if we are a part of that group, let's say we're, we're very privileged, then I think we have to say, how could I lay that aside? How could I lay aside my privilege to serve other people, right, that are less privileged? The lifeboat illustration, some people actually let someone go ahead of them they wanted to be kind to that person. And that was at their own sacrifice. Right. Some might have, they gave away their place mm-hmm. and they were willing to do that. They showed deference and at their own cost of their life, right? It's, mm-hmm. it's something that costs. So I guess it all boils down to what does the Bible say about this particular issue? And, and I think there's a lot of different places we could go, but I know you've found some passages that you'd like to share and I found uh, one that I'd like to share so so why don't we talk about it what does the Bible have to say about how we care about this issue well this one might incriminate you and I in all labor there is profit but idle chatter leaves only to poverty (laughs) well hopefully this isn't idle chatter (laughs) we can we can talk about something on just a intellectual level but to actually put work into what we're espousing that that's a little different. I don't want to make a pretense either that I've got some great level of discernment. When I first heard about this situation, my flesh reaction was not a great reaction. It took me some time in considering the situation with Scripture before I could think in a more redeemed way about it, right? Like, so I, I think we're, we're all susceptible to that, right? We have to put in the work. Yeah, if we look at the Trudeau government, to just say kind of like a grace pause and say, well, I'm thankful that we have a government that is trying to do what is right to save lives. They're not perfect, but I do thank God. And as a Christian, I should be praying for my government. I'll say that. And then for the First Nations or the other racial groups, I understand that that every situation that context is particular. And there are groups of people that are vulnerable just by the fact of where they live, even, Mm -hmm. because of their group orientation or all these different things. I wouldn't even get into all the details, but I affirm that there are groups that needs this ahead of myself, even. I mean, all of us, we don't know. We don't know if we we could get sick, but I think we should just say, yes, I I, I think it's a good thing that people are getting it, hopefully, those that need it will get it first. Right. So my uh, verse that I had here is, my brethren, and that, so this is talking to believers, do not hold the faith of our Lord Jesus Christ, the Lord of glory, with partiality. For if there shall come into your assembly a man with gold rings and fine apparel, and there should also come in a poor man in filthy clothes, and you pay attention to the one wearing the fine clothes, and say to him, you sit here in a good place, and say to the poor man, you stand there, or you sit here at my footstool. Have you not shown among yourselves partiality and become judges with evil thoughts? So the idea of partiality is to actually give deference to the ones that are more needy. Mm -hmm. 
Well, and I, I love my, that passage, Mark, because that's an instruction, like it's ecclesiological, right? It's an instruction for the church. It's for Christians. And it's talking specifically about what to do if someone comes into your body that is of a different category. But the application of that is, I think, for our whole lives. I think that the way that we worship God when we're in fellowship together and the way that we worship God when we're out in our communities should look the same. And, and the yeah. principle, I think we, we neglect the yeah. principle. Yeah, and uh, the, the idea is that the rich have a lot. Basically, we like to treat those that are like us with preference. And we don't really like it when somebody doesn't fit our categories. We'd rather not get to know them. Mm -hmm. So that's maybe the racial component that could be there too in that. And, you know, you could go into different, different illustrations of how that might be. Right. As I was thinking about this situation, I kept coming to mind was Philippians 2 over and over and over again. So uh, I'm just going to read the first four verses of Philippians chapter 2. And it says, If then there is any encouragement in Christ, if any consolation of love, if any fellowship with the Spirit, if any affection and mercy, fulfill my joy by thinking the same way having the same love, sharing the same feelings, focusing on one goal. Do nothing out of rivalry or conceit, but in humility consider others as more important than yourselves. Everyone should look out not only for his own interests, but also for the interests of others. I just think that the principles of that command of Scripture apply really well to this situation. When I look at this article about vaccine distribution, Am I mm -hmm. really upset because I'm a sociologist and I'm observing social nuances that trouble me? Or am I upset because of my, like, it's sort of like you alluded to earlier, Mark. Am I upset because my best interest is being contradicted or, or, or neglected as an individual? And, and I think mm -hmm. it's pretty clear about how I should feel about myself as an individual. Yeah. And so I think when you were looking at articles and, and reading Facebook posts, this kind of thing, I think we have to go through this process because it's just made so that you just click yes or no, like or, you know, angry yeah. or there's a very few choices there. And do we really take the time to think it through? There's so many implications there, mm -hmm. even though we might appear to somebody else like, because of who we're associating with in it. And it's not like we shouldn't do that because we're protecting ourselves, but we might be kind of making our, our Lord Jesus Christ our, that we're glorifying. We might make him look bad right. by it. Right. I, I talk about this with my daughters quite frequently. It's because we aren't allowing or causing or making him the main character of our story, like my story. Uh, is the mm -hmm. main character as a Christian is meant to be Jesus. And when Jesus is more important than me and I've set myself aside, then I can think about other people as more important, right? And that, I think, is the heart and spirit of what is considered the golden rule or the golden command in Scripture. In Mark 12, it's in Matthew as well. Um, one of the scribes mm -hmm. comes to Jesus and asks him, yep. which command is the most important of all? And Jesus answered, this is the most important. Listen, Israel, the Lord your God, the Lord is one. Love the Lord your God with all your heart and all your soul and all your mind and all your strength. 
The second is love your neighbor as yourself. There is none other greater command than these. And you think about that and, okay, I have to love God with all of my being, my, my academic being, my spiritual being, and my emotional being, heart, soul, mind, and strength. And then yeah. in loving him with everything I have, I then esteem others. And I can only esteem others by loving him first. So he's the priority. And then, then I can think rightly about others. But it's the others that I'm meant to be thinking of. And it's like you mentioned about partiality. It's like as mentioned in Philippians chapter 2, to think about the best interest of others and do so humbly. If I'm applying mm-hmm. those principles to this situation, then I should be content that the vaccine is being distributed in a way that is equitable and fair. Yeah. And even if it isn't, I have a word to say about it. And if I find that it's that important, then I will, uh, you know, I'll, you can work. But then there's this whole question of civility. We talked about a rage culture. Well, civility, I think that's very, very important. It protects the uh, social integrity of other people. Mm -hmm. If you call them out, drag them down, you kick them publicly, it's not helpful to affirm their value, no matter who they are. Right. They're a politician or they're somebody else. even a you know even somebody who's breaking the law we can we really have to uphold at least the base value that this person is valuable because he's a human being yeah i mean our even, our natural flesh wants to degrade that other group right well that other group that they've gotten priority for the vaccine but they don't deserve it cuz they just do blah 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 and then in our minds our fleshly minds we elevate our category by diminishing their category and and I think that, that that's a risk, too, of thinking in worldly ways, right? I think when we're talking about worldly here, we're talking about actually having a focus that's self-focused, whatever it is. My argument, my opinion, my right as an individual, all these different things. Yeah, I think we've got to look beyond that focus and look to, look to what's good for another person. And again, like I think we can just lower our expectations of government just a little bit and, and maybe and higher our expectations of the church. We're the ones that have a relationship. At least this is what we, we say. And, and I speak for myself and you that we have a relationship with God, that we also have a responsibility to him right. as well. We should put them into practice. We should be doing something. That shows what we really believe, right? Right. We have a responsibility to obedience and to bringing God glory. And I think discernment is a part of that process. And discerning how to be obedient is really what this podcast, Answers to the Nations, is all about. We don't have all the answers, but the answers exist in Scripture. And, and we can yeah. encourage one another to look there. As a Christian, I, I, I don't think I have anything else to stand on other than, than Scripture, really. And, and I'm not saying that in a sense of, you know, this verse says this, but I mean, the overall teaching and, and the overall revelation of the scripture, which is highly complex, not simple, cross-cultural, you name it, it's very complex. But this is where I find a very good perspective because it's based on, on love. So what Christians do or what we do that's not loving, we can't judge the Bible on that. We can just follow the teachings and then being uh, loyal to him because 
he is a very loyal God to yeah. us. Yeah. So I guess our takeaway or our, our final uh, comment with respect to this might be from, from my side, just to encourage people to try to think, as I try to encourage myself to think this way, with biblical clarity when these things come along and, and we are presented with them. Yeah, it's, 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 it's work in itself. That, that's work. We're, uh, we're dealing with a cross-cultural book. When, they're talk, when it's talking about most of the reference of the New and the Old Testament, it is a collective point of view. It's not individualistic. Mm. Although there is individualistic points of view in it, but it's generally collect, collective. So that's one of the steps we got to make. I hope everybody's well, and uh, I hope you find comfort in the scriptures and our relationship one with another, and that we can actually talk about these things and encourage one another. And even if we disagree, we'll be able to put enough grace in there that we can we can work that through. And we see that we're of the same mind, we're of the same heart. I think we have to keep that unity. Thank you for tuning in today and listening to Answers for the Nations. If you'd like to send us a question, or if you'd like to comment on anything you've heard us discuss today, you can find my email address on our website at arrowheadnbc.com forward slash contact. We look forward to hearing from you.